Hey, this is Heath Paget, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 211. Benvenuto a la RV Entrepreneur Podcast. The RV Entrepreneur is a podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs, and on today's episode, I'm interviewing Paige Digert, attorney at law, RVer, traveler, adventurer, <laughs> and somebody that I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while now because she has a really unique career. She practices law as she travels the world. There's a lot of jobs that we think are in the more traditional realm. There's the new realm, I guess I'm just making these words up, which is basically you can work remote if you are, you know, you work in technology or support or services or consulting or coaching or kind of a lot of the people who I've had on this podcast with writers and content creators and things like that. And then there's kind of the more traditional jobs that we really don't think of as much as being catered towards people who are nomadic, like lawyers and doctors and other careers that fit into that bucket. Yet on this podcast, now I've had both a doctor and as of today's episode with Paige, a lawyer who are practicing their careers as they travel around the country and the world full time because Paige has a home in Italy and then she part-time RVs in the United States. So she's kind of living my ideal life, I think. In today's episode, Paige shares her journey from starting and growing her legal transaction business over the past four years. Specifically, we talk about the one tool that Paige needs to work from absolutely anywhere, how to be a minimalist with your work, how Paige has learned to be flexible, outsource, and find freedom as an entrepreneur, and we get into some of the nitty gritty of her business, like why it's important that all Paige's contractors are also attorneys. While a lot of times when you have conversations that involve attorneys and counsel, things can get pretty technical pretty fast, we keep today's conversation pretty high level and more or less catered towards key takeaways that any entrepreneur can take and apply to running their remote business. Before we get into today's episode with Paige, a quick word from today's sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by ID Plans, and it's actually less of a sponsorship than it is really an opportunity. ID Plans is a software and service company based in Tampa, Florida, that provides solutions for property managers. Over the past 20 years, ID Plans has been able to hire a number of full-time RVers to help survey commercial properties, and they are looking to hire three to five additional teams over the next couple months. Here's a clip from Carolyn, who has been traveling with her husband across the country working with ID Plans. Me and my husband have been traveling full-time together since 2016. The whole time we've been on the road, we were always looking for a job to do something along the way to make some money, but still be able to have our freedom. We tried several different work camping positions, and we realized that that was not a good way to make money. It was a great way to meet people, but the money was just not there. So we stumbled across ID Plans about a year and a half ago. And since we've worked for the company, it has changed our lives. We love working for ID Plans. We get to set our own schedule and we get paid to travel across the U.S. It's such a great opportunity. Over the last few years, I've seen a lot of companies hire RVers for different types of short and longer term jobs. And I can honestly say that this is one that almost immediately after getting trained, you can make a near full-time income while also still having another side hustle or business to do on the road. You'll receive training for their software, be able to park your RV right on the job sites and run the entire operation from your RV. If you want to learn more, you can send an email to rvjobs at idplans.com. That is rvjobs at idplans.com. Paige, what's up? Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So Paige, 
let's kind of start, I guess, at a high level question. Whatever you meet somebody right now in uh, the world, how do you tell them what you do for a living? Oh, that's always kind of fun because people go, oh, really? Um, I tell them that I work um, 100% remote and that I travel full time and I have a translation business and we do legal translations, which sounds pretty boring, but the travel part always sounds like a lot of fun. So <laughs> that's what I do. And I still practice law a little bit on the side, but my main business is legal translations and the business is 100% remote. And, and how did all of this come about? Like, what were you doing a few years ago that I know you were practicing law? I'm, I'm going to answer that question because we talked before in the past. So I know, <laughs> I know kind of what you were doing, but <laughs> you were practicing law and you had kind of the standard, I guess, lawyer trajectory, if you will. And, and what happened? Well, I was really stressed out. Um, I was driving two and a half hours each way on a regular day to work and back. And, you know, I felt for a long time that I had no choice except to continue with that corporate grind and reach a certain level. And then all of a sudden I reached that level and thought, okay, I can check that off. I've proved that to myself. I can be the big shot lawyer. Now I want to do what I really want to do and started thinking about it. And, you know, I, I love to travel so much. I used to use all of my time off and even take time off without pay to travel, especially to Italy, but also around the U.S. And um, just decided I'd had it. It was too stressful. Um, you know, the, the, all that time in the car was no good and thought about something else. And I'd sort of been dreaming in the back of my mind about moving to Italy for a long time and thinking, how am I going to manage this with visas and everything? And I have a house in Florida, et cetera. Well, I've really been planning more than dreaming because I was in Italy with my friend and we visited the village where my grandmother was from. And I just fell in love with the village instantly. There are only 500 people there. It's really small. It was super peaceful. It's in Northern Italy and thought I could really be happy here. So I just had to fill in, how do I get from my current life to living here and being happy? And, um, told my friend after we left the village, I'm moving there. And she said, what? And, um, I, when we got home, I found out that I had been planning this all along. I had Excel sheets with things like, you know, what about taxes? How do you do insurance? What about the pets? How am I going to manage my, you know, am I going to sell my car and things like that? So I really had a lot of it worked out and, you know, moving to Italy is only part of it. The other part is traveling around the U S when I am back in the States, because I have to be here for visa purposes um, six months out of the year. So I would travel up and down the East Coast, mostly visit my friends and be able to work at the same time as doing all that. So it just kind of started, I was stressed out at work, I was really sick of the, the pressure. And then the opportunity came, or, you know, somebody knocked on my shoulder um, from the universe and said, Hey, it's time. And I just made a decision in, in between December of 2015. And um, April of 2016 was when I decided and when I actually landed in Italy. And so that's kind of how it went. There's so many little strings that I want to pull on and dive into, which I know we will, but <laughs> when you, when you were just practicing law full time, did you, how did you think through the, I guess, transition to being able to do that remote? Was that a possibility? That was probably the biggest hurdle that I could, I would think of, right? Could you just make a seamless transition yeah. um, in your current job to doing that remotely? Is that a, was that a possibility? 
Um, yes and no. My last year, I actually worked remotely because I was ready to quit my job in Miami Beach, the two and a half hour commute. And I, I told my boss and he said, oh, you can't do that. We need you. And I said, look, I can't. I like it here, but I just can't do the commute anymore. And he said, yeah, I've been wondering how you manage that. So in the end, he made me a counter offer and I worked my last year from home for that um, employer. But it was still stressful and the, you know, working in a corporation and the, the stereotypical lawyer types and legal department and all that, you know, I could do it, but it wasn't my tribe, so to speak. Um, you know, I want to say they're kind of harsh and sort of backstabbing and I achieved a lot in that environment, but it wasn't who I am. I'm more creative and introverted and, you know, it was always a struggle to to be successful and yet deal in that environment. So I just, you know, found a way out by leaving. Um, it's not really that simple. I just kind of wanted to do it for a really long time. But then eventually I just said, okay, it's now or never. I was in my late 40s and thought, if I don't do this now, it's never going to happen. And I also let myself know that if it didn't work out, if I, I could get another legal job, you know, um, and I had been making some money on the side doing translations um, for a couple of years, just really casually. Uh, people would reach out to me and say, hey, can you do this translation? I wasn't marketing or anything. I had three clients that I just kind of came across accidentally. And so the last year before I left the full-time corporate law gig, I made like $15,000 or something doing translations on the side and I just called it vacation money. And so when I was having that epiphany in Italy, I thought, you know, what could I do? What could I do? There's, you know, I can't work here and, you know, be a lawyer in Italy. I'm not licensed here. And I thought, well, I could do that translation gig thing. If I put some effort into it, I could probably make enough money to live off of. So that's what I did. That was kind of, it was a turning point. Like all the stars aligned. I love it. You're just eating cannolis and drinking cappuccino. And then, you know, I think that is the perfect time to have that, that moment. <laughs> um, it was, it was. And my friend was like, well, it's about time. Are you really going to do this? And I said, yes, I am. And so I'm a determined kind of person. So I made it happen. Listening to some of the things that you spoke about with getting to that point of accomplishing a lot. That's been something that I've been thinking about a lot. And I was listening to a podcast this past week with Tim Ferriss and Tony Robbins. And some people like Tony Robbins, mm -hmm. some people think like, oh, he's too fluffy. You know, I can sit on both sides of the fence probably. But I think there are there's mm -hmm. something to be said about just trying to take in a lot of inputs of different people who are trying to make themselves better. And one of the things that mm -hmm. they said on the podcast, which was, was really interesting, interesting and stuck in my head, which is the greatest failure you can ever have is to be successful at something, but not fulfilled. And I was like thinking and wrestling and mm -hmm. I may have chopped that up a little bit, but the whole premise was so much of the time we're stuck in this mode of just pushing and getting better. And I'm the worst at this. It's like, I want to get my company <laughs> seven figures, or I want to do this, or I want to do that. Mm -hmm. and you get there and you realize this sucks. And you, you, you just don't, that moment that you thought was going to be so fulfilling and so magical just feels like every other moment. But then you spent so much time getting yeah. to that place. And, and you're basically, you weren't focused on fulfilling yourself. You were just thinking that that result was going to bring it, but it wasn't, and it never will. I don't know. Was that this, was that the situation for you 
in being a lawyer? Or was that? I mean, in a way, I love the law. I love practicing law. I love negotiating and, and the actual doing the legal stuff. Absolutely love it. Um, but it was also a little bit, um, you know, stressful, like I said, and it, once I got there, once I got to the top, so to speak, and got a general counsel position, um, it was kind of like, I'm done. You know, I proved it because I come from sort of a humble background and, um, to graduate from college was a big deal. And then to go to law school and graduate was a big deal. And then to have a successful career was a big deal. So all of it was like, wow, this is so like, is this really happening to me? And so once I reached kind of the top, it was like, okay, I don't have anything left to prove. So I really don't have to do this anymore if I don't want. I mean, um, it was very expensive and it took seven years of schooling to get there. So it wasn't like I hated it the whole time. I practiced for about 20 years. But once I reached that kind of pinnacle, it was like I released myself to go and pursue something else. And I always had this sort of vision of myself traveling and doing something non-conventional. And also used to tell my friends, you know, I don't think this is my last career. I thought maybe I would teach as a professor or something like that. But it's um, it's kind of the kind of it's kind of like where I had to prove it to myself. Kind of one of those silly things that you set up for yourself. You're like, okay, this is I've I, I've arrived when I've done this. And once I reach that top position at a company. Yeah, I gave myself permission to try something else. I love it. And what was probably your biggest fear of jumping off and going to, because you had about 15 grand of the side business. So it wasn't completely yeah. self sufficient or anything like that. So what was kind of your biggest fear with making the sleep? Oh, gosh, so many things um, <laughs> that financially it would be a disaster. I mean, I had some savings that I allocated for my first year, which was good because I needed them, but, um, the, you know, moving forward and growing each year, uh, I wasn't sure that was going to happen at all. I didn't know if I was going to crash and burn in the first 90 days. Um, I didn't know if I would hate it. I didn't at all, but, um, I didn't know if I would be homesick or, you know, would my Italian be good enough to communicate with people and make friends? Um, I had so many fears, but I knew that I could go back. And the one moment I had, I was in, I went by ship. I went by cruise ship over there um, initially, which was kind of a nice slow way to go. And then I took the train from uh, Rome to Milan. And that was then from Milan. Um, I, can't, I guess I took the train all the way to my village. But um, when I left, I made friends on the cruise ship, whatever, and we all got to Rome, and then we, we went our separate ways. And I'd, I'd been to the Rome train station a million times, so I told some people where to go. And then we kind of, I just kind of peeled off with my two suitcases. All I brought was two suitcases. And I'm walking through the train station in Rome, which is really noisy and crazy. And it was like the world stopped all of a sudden, and it seemed like it got silent it was super dramatic but this is what I felt and it was all in a split second it's like everything stopped everything was quiet and I thought to myself oh my god what have I done I rented out my house um I quit my job I gave everything up and what am I doing is this crazy I don't even know anybody I knew like two people in the village barely and thought what's gonna happen I'm gonna fail and then just this, like another split second later, I said, oh, that's okay. You got to try it and you probably won't fail. 
And then it's like all the noise and the people came back and I just kept moving forward to that Milan connection. And there I was. I love it. it I don't and know why. Everything remember. turned out well. Have you ever seen Dumb and Dumber? Yes, but I don't remember that much about it. <laughs> it just, there's a moment in the movie where basically they go, I quit my job. Our pets heads are falling. Like, I don't know. It just kind of reminded me of that moment. Anyway, that's a kind of a non sequitur. I'm going to I'm gonna have to watch it again. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. That, that was just where my brain went. I'm sorry. But so the vision was <laughs> to be able to live in Italy half the year. And I guess was the purpose of that is you don't have to have a visa. You can literally just get, uh, you know, just go over there on your passport and stay up to six months at a time, and then you have to come back to the U.S.? Um, it's three months at a time, but six months total throughout the year. I'm working on some other more permanent resident situations, but um, it takes time and money, so it's slow going. But for now, I'm still doing the six months on, six months off each year. Got but it's it. nice because, there, you know, with my flexibility now, there's so much I can do over here in the States. And, you know, with my RV, it's unlimited. You mean it's nice to be able to spend six months a year in Italy and six months a year traveling around the U.S. in your RV? Yeah, it sounds awful. <laughs> Absolutely a dream come true. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, let's talk a little bit about your translation business. So you started this kind of as a side sure. hustle. What what exactly right. do, do you mean when you say you have a translation business? Because it might not be exactly what people are thinking about. Okay, sure. Well, at first, um, I was working as a client um, and meaning I was working as a lawyer and we would hire translators and I'm thinking, Oh my God, we paid that guy like $600 for two pages. I could do that. And you know, or whatever it was. And I'm thinking that's a kind of a good gig. So one weekend I was home and I just started Googling translation agencies and I sent them my, um, my CV and it was like all lawyer stuff with like speak Spanish and Italian at the bottom and said, um, hey, and I had done a few um, things kind of on the fly in Italian for work because at one place we did a lot of fashion and we worked with fashion agencies. So I'd have to quickly do it because it took longer to find, you know, an Italian translator or do the Spanish or whatever. So I thought, you know, I can make some money. So I Googled, I got on board with two um, translation agencies and that was in like 2012 or 11 or something. And they said, yeah, you know, we'll pay you 15 cents a word and blah, blah, blah. So most of the time I'd be like, no, I can't do it. I'm too busy. They'll call you when they have work. And they, I'd say, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. But every once in a while I'd be like, oh, it's Friday. And, you know, I have some time. I don't have any plans this weekend. I'll do it. And the money was great. You know, it's like, okay, there's my next plane ticket to Europe, you know, or whatever. So I did it as like a side gig. Yeah. And um, you know, I never, I'm never the kind to rest on my laurels. So even though I was making good money as a lawyer, I'm like, okay, if I can do something that's actually fun and make money, I'm going to do it. So then when I, um, went off on my own, I was still working only with agencies, then started finding some direct clients. When I left, um, you know, full-time lawyering, I reached out to my lawyer buddies and said, Hey, who are you using for translation? Are you happy? Um, and got some good clients and then people I knew were, were, you know, referring me then started to actually, then I thought, okay, this is good, but I'm working my butt off. I'm working so hard. I'm not getting to see anything when I'm over here in Italy. And when I'm home, everybody's mad because I don't have time for them. I'm always working. So I found some other people like me who were also lawyers and attorneys. And I went on LinkedIn and basically just trolled until I found 
so many people that were willing to work with me if I started an agency. So I started my own agency and it's online legal translations and found people who were also lawyers and translators. And that's kind of my hook. That's my USP, my unique selling point. Um, and it works really good with lawyers because they don't trust people who aren't lawyers to be able to translate it correctly. Cause you have to know what you're reading in the first place before you translate it. And so that was kind of my hook. So everyone who works for me or with me um, is also an attorney. So that's what I mean when I say I have a translation business. I still do my own translation sometimes. Um, if it's my languages, obviously, which is I do Italian to English and Spanish to English, but my company is capable of doing all kinds of um, languages so, or language pairs as we call them. So my translation business is an agency, but there are a lot of freelancers out there who just do the work all themselves. And I get a lot of references from colleagues. So and that's so, the state of my business. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to ask. So a lot of times, it, like what would be a situation where somebody wants you guys to work with them? Could it be the company's corporate documents? Is it like an actual case mm -hmm. of, of what's being transcribed in the room? Like what would be the scenario where somebody would need a professional lawyer to sit or not professional, just a lawyer to sit down and, and make these translations? Like what are those scenarios? Well, um, we get all kinds of stuff. I'll get HR documents, you know, which is just, um, you know, um, here are the rules that our company, you know, blah, blah, blah. Here's the healthcare plan. But mainly it's a lot of contracts that come from law firms or companies. Um, we'll get um, corporate papers. Yeah, like in, um, every time there's a, an annual meeting, um, someone will write the minutes and they'll, they'll change things in their bylaws or whatever. A lot of financial statements of companies because there are some numbers in there, but they're heavily um, laden with, with legal language. I'll also, like, rarely do I get something super interesting, but um, I have one client that sends me a lot of patents, and I'm not a patent lawyer, but I can do most of them. If it's really, really complex, we will turn it away. I only have two patent lawyers on my team so far. That's kind of hard to come by a patent lawyer that's also a linguist. But um, those are really fun because you get to see inventions and things like that that are, you know, being proposed. And also sometimes there's like juicy gossip, like, oh, my gosh, this person is involved in litigation and they're the prime minister of this country or whatever. Obviously, confidentiality is huge. So you can't discuss anything. And I so want to, like, tell my best friends, you know, oh, my God, you guys want to believe what case I'm working on and who's involved. But obviously you can't. So you just have to enjoy it yourself, you know, the juicy gossip or whatever. But um, typically, yeah, we'll get contracts to do um, patents, sometimes medical um, releases, things like that for like a medical trial. Obviously, we were paying attention to the COVID-19 um, um, vaccine. And a lot of my colleagues are working on legal documents for those medical trials. Um, so it really, anything that would happen in a law firm or a legal department or even individual people, I had a reference the other day, um, this couple was adopting a child and they wanted to get him a passport to go to France. And so I needed to translate their adoption papers into French. So it could be anything. Wow. And you guys looking on the website, you have so many languages now that you do. So when exactly was it that you ramped this up and, and decided to go 
jump into this full-time nomadic lifestyle? What year was that, 2016? Yeah, 2016. Mm -hmm. And how is And I knew there was a lot of work to do, but was ready to do it. And yeah, how how is it blended? You know, how, uh, having online legal translations, spending half the year in Italy, traveling half the year in the U.S. Like, what has what has life looked at like the past four years as you've been able to do this with the business and with travel? Well, I would say anyone trying to do this, the thing that you need to do is to be um, to be able to adapt and to you know kind of be able to work in any environment. Now, I really really like quiet. And I'm going to give a plug here for the Bose Quiet Comfort um, earbuds because they changed my life. I can work <laughs> anywhere, no matter what's going on around me. They're the greatest thing. And a lot of my friends will complain, oh, my gosh, you know, there's construction outside my house all week. and Or the dog won't start bark, stop barking. And I hate noise, but those things change my life. But anyway, I think you need to be able to be able to set up your little workstation, whatever it is, quickly and um, be able to work. You know, try to... I would say minimizing um, is helpful, staying organized. Now, my business is 100% online, so um, it can go anywhere I can go, wherever there's Wi-Fi. And a lot of it is done offline as well, especially some of the confidential stuff. They don't want you to work online at all. That can be challenging, but you make it happen. So I think you have to be adaptable and and be a minimalist with your work. You know, you which is hard for me. I love office supplies and I used to have the most elaborate offices. And, you know, now I have to be able to just pop open my laptop anywhere, including like the side of the road and get work done. But it's so worth it. What cool things have you been able to do the past few years? Cause you're also growing this business and it, you definitely sound like a person you're diligent, you work a lot. So like, have you been able to go do some cool stuff? You mean like for fun and not work? <laughs> yeah, for fun. I mean, this podcast, I spend so much time talking <laughs> about the work side. But honestly, like Italy's amazing. I, I, when we got to spend a month there last year and we kind of documented it on YouTube, mm. we were talking about it before and it was incredible. So I think one of the things that it's fun to circle back to is like the intent for why you got started in the first place. Have you been able to have the type of experiences that you wanted? Yes. I mean, I did do the burnout thing. And I had to set limits for myself. I was working whenever there was work, I was working. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, but it's a beautiful day out and I'm inside working. I could be working anywhere. I could be working back in my office in Miami. So, but I'm in Italy, but the world is happening outside me. So I had to set limits and say, okay, we're not going to work on weekends anymore unless it's like a super big deal, but we're not going to just stay in and work and work and work and work because I was missing out on things. But having so you know i needed to take advantage of the flexibility that i really had and that's what i do now um i take advantage of the flexibility like i went to france for a few days and visited my favorite well not my favorite but a winery that i really really wanted to go see um in bordeaux i can if people come to visit me in italy which i always encourage and people come and then we go ha we'll go and have fun we hike in the mountains or we'll visit whatever city they want to see or a friend of mine she came for her 50th birthday and she had been to six continents and the only one she had not been to was africa because she worked in antarctica for a few years and she wanted to go to Africa. And I'm like, fine, we can hop on a plane. So we went to Morocco for a week, and that was really fun. And I was able to not work because, um, 
you know, I can manage my business as long as I've got a little bit of Wi-Fi and just say, you know, just check in once a day or whatever and farm out work if I need to. Um, so the flexibility is fantastic. You know, you can take time off. Obviously, you know this, you have to make it up, you know, but um, you can work when you want. And if an opportunity comes, like my friends, they love to hike, my best friends in Italy, and they live near me and they know really good hiking spots. So they'll they'll send me a text. Hey, Paige, can you be ready for in 15 minutes? Um, we took the day off and we're going to hike at such and such place. And I'm just like, OK, do I need to pack a lunch? And I just get dressed and go and work can wait. I, love I also manage my deadlines really well, though. You have to build in extra time. And I think I talked about this with you guys. I um, I also am a migraine sufferer. So you never know when one of those is going to pop up. So I always get everything done like a day or two early. I build in an extra day. And most of the time I don't end up laid up in bed with a migraine. But so I end up with an extra day, you know. Um, so I, I, I make sure that I have plenty of time to get things done so that if um, it's that last day and my friends say, hey, do you want to go hiking with us? Um, I'll have the time. I love that. You have to manage your time really well. From talking with a lot of RVers, that is such a common pain point and people on the road or anybody really running a business is a problem for it. But if you're trying to really maximize for experiences and a lot of people don't hit the road just to work, it's to have that some semblance of a blended life or whatever. But one of the problems Mm -hmm. from talking with people and kind of digging in a little bit deeper when they say, oh, I'm burned out. A lot of times it's it's the overwork, but when you kind of go a little bit further, one of the things I've seen as a pattern is just people struggling to create processes outside of their own time. So they have it either hired right. employees or they don't feel they have the money to hire employees, which is a very real problem, or they haven't figured out the mm-hmm. right software tools to create processes. So what what are some of the things that you did with online legal translations to be able to you know, create processes that didn't, uh, that were outside of your own time? Sure. Um, I do a lot of social media presence. Um, so I can't sit there every day posting things individually. So I use schedulers and that's super helpful. Um, and the, you know, I'll, I'll create a series of something like right now I have a series of quotes going and I have a graphic designer help me design them. And then I did the research, like all in one or two days, put the quotes together. They're like quotes about the law or quotes by famous lawyers, put that there, put, you know, put them together, wrote them out, um, and then made nice little graphics and posted them ahead for like a year. And that way I'm popping up in people's feeds and my branding is popping up and something interesting and it's getting retweeted or whatever. And so I, I have social media schedulers and that's been super helpful. Um, some of the other things I do, I have a buddy that I work with. He is another translator and we know each other in real life. But um, a lot of times if I need to find somebody, say I'm on one of those awesome hikes and I get a little beep on my phone that says, oh, we need this thing translated from Greek to French um, by Friday. Um, he works with a lot of lawyer translators. And so if I don't, if I don't have somebody off the top of my head, I can text him. He's young and he's really into this, like, let's do everything by text. So I'll send him a text and say, Hey, can you help me? Um, He already has the non-disclosure agreement on file that they would need to sign. So he'll find somebody and have them do it. And then he'll earn a commission from that. Um, You know, you need, 
no man is an island, as they say, and you need help from your friends and to be helpful. And so I have people help me and I have some automated stuff too. Like I automate as much as I can. I could be better at it and I'm working on it, but um, I think automating things is really, really helpful. Outside of social media, are there any other automation tools that you use and really like? I'm trying to think. Um, so far, not, I mean, I, I do all my payments are automatic um, payments. And when, whenever there's an opportunity to automate something, I do. But as far as actual tools, that's the only thing I can think of that I'm using. Nice. And what do you what do you use as your payment processing platform to automate payments? Um, I just use my bank. Well, gosh, it depends on what country because everything's international. So it's kind of a patchwork. But I use TravelWise for international payments. Um, I sound like an ad for them, but they're really great and the rates are really low. Um, if that doesn't work, I'll use PayPal or um, um, through my bank, Zelle, or is it Zelle? I don't know how to pronounce it, but um, just things like that, those platforms or whatever works the best. Everybody accepts something different and the international stuff can be challenging, but you know, that's, I was talking about adaptability. You just have to keep going until it works, you know, keep trying new things and not say, Oh, forget it. It doesn't work. You know, you have to question and ask for help and say, what else will work? If that doesn't work, do you know who takes it? You know, who takes that payment method or whatever. So, I don't, I tried using QuickBooks and I found the administration of it was more than I, I was spending more time administering it than I was the old fashioned way of managing my, um, the financial part of my business. So for me, it didn't work. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes total sense. A little bit of a non sequitur, but I know one of the things we talked about, I think on one of the calls from a, a couple of weeks ago and with the group is that you mentioned that mm -hmm. community has been huge, huge for you, for your business, because the online translator community is really kind of a tight knit group. How is that? It is. How has that impacted your business and kind of how have you gotten plugged into that community, if that makes sense? Sure. Well, actually, before 2015, I had no social media presence. And if you Googled me, I have um, I have a one of a kind name, Paige Dykert, but um, you would find almost nothing That's because impressive. I just wanted to be under the radar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was afraid of social media. But if you're going to do something like I'm doing, you have to jump in. And, you know, part of the object is for people to know you. So I joined um, Facebook and I joined a cooking um, translators group, believe it or not, or it was foodie translators. And from there, it just grew. People were inviting me to join these other groups and I might join and see if I liked it and then unjoin if I didn't like it and began to kind of get to know the same people and um, bond with people. Um, sometimes people would ask me for you know, they'd say, oh, do you know this term, this legal term? Can can you help me with this legal term? And then I started uh, writing a blog and um, things like that and getting interviewed by people and began to get referrals. And referrals are great. I would say 35% of my work comes in through referrals. And most of them are colleagues or um, prior customers. So I think that, you know, the, the community of translators, besides being a totally different personality type than lawyers, um, you know, we're, we're sort of really open-minded 
introverts, if that makes sense. Like you have to be kind of open-minded if you're doing something that builds bridges between cultures. So that part is a plus. And the people are very, very helpful. You know, I'll ask, I'll put out a question. Hey guys, um, there's this French phrase in my translation. Do you know what this means? Or, hey, Italians, is it better to say it this way or that way? And people will jump right in and start helping you. And when you help other people, it's really, really appreciated and people remember. And all you have to do is just be a good person and, um, you know, keep your promises and, you know, you start to sort of build credibility in the, um, in the community and the community of uh, translators, they're just so, so nice and they're intelligent and um, nerdy. And I found, I feel like I've found my tribe. I love that. And to me, that's a beautiful thing about being early on in a business. Cause a lot of people, if they, if they want help or if they think they need help, they might, Think, oh, I can't get that until I have enough money to pay for employees or consultants or whatever. But there are Facebook groups and communities of people probably running a business that you're already running or want to be running it. And so oh, just yeah. you being able to jump in there and post with other people, even as a solopreneur, it makes you feel not alone. It almost makes you feel like you have resources of a team or something like that. But, you know, there are these. It is like a team. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I wanted to say one other thing is when you were talking about when people feel like they can't afford to hire somebody or whatever. Um, I, I will always, I don't know if you agree with this, but I always say, use the free version first, you know, use the free version of everything before you buy something. It can be tempting to like, Oh, I just want to buy this $500 membership in this software just so it can solve my problem. But I am so loath to spend money if I don't have to. I was so slow to buy the paid version of translation software. I think about it in 2017. Um, I will, I always use the free versions of everything first. Then when it comes to the point where it's going to save you more time and time is money to do the paid version, go ahead and do it. But I always tell people to try them out. Like they go, oh, what's the best, I don't know, um, computer automated translation tool. Try the free versions. You know, sometimes they'll give you a free month or something like that. And you may not even want to use a certain type of tool. So my favorite thing is use the free versions. I totally agree. I'm a, I'm a cheapo when it comes to software and things like that. A lot, mm -hmm. The other thing you can do is we've a lot of times just use Google Excel spreadsheets for so many different things until, mm -hmm. and then basically figure out, okay, what tool can replicate Google Excel spreadsheet after it, after that's not working anymore. I know that doesn't fit across the yes, board. But when it's too big and it's going to make sense to change to the paid version, that's fine. But until then, you can kind of wing it on your own. You don't have to go broke buying stuff for your business. You know, I'm, I'm always like, okay, I got a huge, actually, when I finally bought the paid version of um, the translation software, that's like the, the number one translation software, um, I had a huge job to do and it was super easy. So I thought, okay, I just made like $800 in like an hour and a half. So I'm going to finally buy that software. You know? <laughs> it was like, all right. So it was like a windfall. And I thought it's finally time. And I kind of wished I bought it sooner, but I had to, you know, be financially ready to put out that money and get, hiring someone to do my website. I did my own website at first and it was really lame, but I had all the copy written. And so when I finally got um, the guts up to pay someone to make a nice website, 
um, all the content was there. And so that part was already done. And so, you know, I wasn't ready to show my website to a bunch of lawyers because they'd be like, oh, my God, this is so hokey. But when it was time to start publicizing more, um, I had the content ready and I hired a professional. I mean, I believe in hiring professionals, especially like CPAs and lawyers and tax people for things that you can get in trouble for if you don't hire professionals. But, you know, try it yourself first. That's my advice. And then some things I'm good at and some things I'm not, you know. Yeah, for sure. I just have a, a few more questions for you, Paige. What's been the sure. What's been the biggest surprise for you, like getting on the road, running your business, spending half the year RVing in the U.S., half the year abroad in Italy? What's been the biggest thing that you didn't expect uh, would happen? Um, to be honest, I didn't think I would be so adaptable. I had no idea that I could just roll with anything and and overcome problems so easily and just be, you know, to be able to deal with uncertainty and things like that. I was really worried about that because I had made my life as predictable as possible. And then all of a sudden I jumped into this, I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, when you're on the road, I, like I mentioned to you earlier, I had a dead battery this morning and a million things to do. Um, you know, I didn't freak out and say, Oh, this is terrible, you know, for me. Um, you just make, you know, you just kind of pivot. And I was really, really surprised at how able I was to do that. And I think it's because if you really want something and what I really wanted was flexibility and to travel and freedom, um, then I can adapt to life's little challenges. I love that. This is, this is more of a travel related question, but why Italy? Oh, good. <laughs> oh, God. Why not? Italy's the greatest <laughs> place in the world. Not that I'm, you know, biased. Well, you know, I, I speak Italian. I love wine. I love food. And um, I'm of Italian descent. And when I, that was the first place I went to in Europe. Um, and I always loved my father's mother my grandma um she was really impressive and she came from this well her family came from this little town in northern italy and i'd been to italy like five or six times but i had never made it that far up north it's way up by the alps to visit and my best friend said to me we can't go back um without going to the old country meaning like where my family's from so i said all right all right we'll just do a northern italy tour this time and we went to the village and um, it was kind of destiny because I fell in love with this little village. And fun fact, I now live in a house right on the lake. And the house that I share a wall with is my great grandfather's house where he left from and moved to America. And my cousins still live there. About 90% of the village are my cousins. So, you know, it's like a dream, really. It's like a movie. I love that. In a lot of Northern Italy, you basically just start feeling like you're in Austria at least the places I went <laughs> in the Dolomites. Yeah, you were over there. Well, okay, it is like that. I'm really close to Switzerland, and the architecture um, is very Swiss, and the people are pretty buttoned up, you know, personality-wise. I'm from New England, and we're also pretty buttoned up compared to the rest of the United States, you know, sort of introverts and kind of not super open and friendly. But, um, you know, aside from the architecture and people show up on time, it's totally Italian. I mean, the food, the wine, the warmth, the people are so, so nice. And it's 100% Italy. It just looks like someone's going to start yodeling in a minute. Yeah, it looks absolutely. Very <laughs> so you, you, do you speak fluent Italian? I do. 
if I asked you and put you on the spot to say something, do you think you'd be able to say it? Whew, yeah, <laughs> I haven't been there in seven months, but let's go for it. Sure. Well, if you can say it, then I, I think I'll use it for the introduction of this podcast. But welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast episode. Actually, don't say the episode because I'm not sure which one, but just welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. Do you think you'd say that? Yeah. Benvenuto a la RV Entrepreneur Contest. Whoops, I said it wrong. Can we do it again? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm gonna leave all this. I'm gonna leave all this in here, by the way, because this is great. No, leave it in. Leave it in. It'll be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, my friends can laugh at me. Okay, ready? Yep. Benvenuto a la RV Entrepreneur Podcast. There's no Italian word for podcast, is there? No podcast. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I can say podcast. I love RV. it. Oh yeah, they call what do they call campers? They, well, they call they call camp Caravan. they call campgrounds campeggios. Campeggio. Mm-hmm. So would it be the and camping? There's a. Go ahead. No, they would call it um, like they would they would call it by your name because it's a proper thing. So they would say oh, okay. um, RV entrepreneur podcast. <laughs> okay. Got or, it. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I love it. I'm definitely using that for the introduction for this podcast. <laughs> um, by the way, if anybody's listening to this thinking about RVing in Italy, the campgrounds over there are incredible. Like some of the best restaurants we had in our whole time in Italy were actually in Campeggio's. At campgrounds. Oh, well, were- actually, there's a campground right next to my village, and it has a restaurant attached to it, and it has a name. It's Il Vecchio Canetto which means um, in the old reeds, but everyone in the village refers to it as camping, like in English, camping. So they say, oh, do you want to go out tonight? Yeah, well, let's go get some dinner. Where do you want to go? Camping? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Well, uh, thank you so much, Paige, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And um, where's a good place for people to be able to connect with you online now that you have a digital footprint? Oh, sure. Well, I'm on Facebook, um, and so you can find me on Paige Digert. Online Legal Translations is my company, if you want to check that out. Um, I'm on Twitter. I don't do a whole lot of interacting on Twitter, but I would say Facebook is the best place to find me, or you can reach out to me through the website, which, again, it's Online Legal Translations, and um, I'm pretty active. So I'm also active in a lot of um, RV groups and RV lady groups. So you could probably find me in there. It's nice having a very odd name because people don't forget you and they'll remember having seen you. (laughs) I love it. Well, thanks so much, Paige, for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing your story. I appreciate it. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Paige, thank you so much for coming on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. And I just want to take a minute and say that I'm so grateful for everybody who listens to this show. It's been four years since I've been recording the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, and honestly, I still really enjoy sitting down and hearing episodes with guests, and I love hearing from you guys. You can actually go to anchor.fm and search the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, and you can actually leave a voicemail if you've listened to the podcast on Anchor or even if you don't. And it's been really cool to hear voicemails from you guys who have listened to the show, listened to every single one of them. Sometimes... DMs on Instagram and Gmail and things like that can get a little crowded, but 
it's the coolest thing in the world and so rare to actually get like a voicemail. I know some people don't like that kind of thing, but it's really fun. So if you listen to the podcast and you want to leave a voicemail or you have a question that you'd like me to answer on an upcoming show, can be related to the episode or completely random and just kind of fun, I would encourage you to go leave a voicemail because why not? It sounds fun. <laughs> That's all for today's episode. And thank you guys again so much for listening. I'll see you next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.